Welcome to episode 16 of the Woo Woo Way podcast. My name is Zebediah Rice. Today's podcast is an audio version of the seventh in the George Falcon Sunday teaching series that is available on Vimeo. It covers some of the same themes George returns to again and again. So you'll hear him talk about, as he always does, this idea that we are free and all we need to do is remember that. He talks about this idea that we are not who we think we are. He explores the difference between living in a world where you're doing or having or wanting versus being. And finally, he talks about how our experiences are shaped by our beliefs. I I want to focus on one of these things in particular. Um, there's this concept which I, I refer to as doing, having, wanting, which uh, I think merits some further explore, exploration. And the doing part in particular is what I want to focus on, on today. I'll let George opine on all those other topics in a minute. Um, but I find this statement that he makes around doing particularly perplexing. He tells us that we are one not just with our source, but the source, with all the power in the universe. And therefore, we can trust that if we just turn everything over to this higher power, everything will be okay. I, I react negatively that, to that. It sounds a little culty to me. Um, but he goes on and he says, we'll be taken care of if we can just get out of the way and stop thinking that we are the doer. Stop thinking that our doing is going to be better than allowing the higher power to do the doing. Now, I blogged about this a little bit in the Free Will versus Destiny post, but I, I want to unpack this this concept of doing a bit more because I think it's it's really important. It's incredibly profound and one of the most uh, helpful and important insights in life. And it's very easy to get sidetracked by kind of the strangeness of it or the apparent naiv naivete of it or the potentially cultish aspects of it. So I think it's worth spending some time on. In fact, um, I, I think it's so important, even though it's apparently crazy, that I've named the podcast after it. Wu Wei, after all, means not doing. So what's the advice that George is giving us here? He's saying, be still and witness the perfection of the universe. Now, I hear that, and my reaction is, this is crazy, this is stupid, this is naive. If I don't do anything, then I'm going to go hungry, and I'll, I'll fail to provide for my kids. Or let's just say that the government or uh, my family comes and, and looks, looks after me and allows me, to therefore, to, to do nothing. So I stop doing, and I sit on a couch and do nothing. Doesn't that mean that I'll be a loser? Doesn't that mean that I'll just end up losing my job and watching TV all day and end up eating cookies or smoking dope? Won't I just end up becoming bored or depressed or obese or lonely? I, I'm trying to figure out how can doing nothing be a more successful strategy than being smart and strategic and working hard to be better than others, always striving to be a winner. Well, as foolish as this advice sounds, it, it turns out that George is not alone in making this recommendation. In fact, I would argue that the wisest humans ever to have lived have been very clear in saying pretty much this exact same thing. It's not like George invented this idea. So we could go to Lao Tzu, for example, and thousands of years ago, this guy wrote in the Tao Te Ching 
that the wisest people, quote, do nothing, yet leave nothing undone. Foolish people are always doing, he writes, yet much remains to be done. Or we could turn to one of Jesus' most famous phrases, which can be found in the Gospel of Matthew, for example, when he tells us to, quote, have no thought for the morrow. Now, one of the things I really like about George is that he's not saying to us, make me your guru and pay me lots of money or make Jesus your guru and tithe to the church and what's in the Bible is the word of God or, you know, go find some spiritual leader or this church and, and stick with that. What what he's saying is not specific to one in, individual authority, but what he is most definitely saying is that we have to choose an authority and that that authority cannot be ourselves. So that still sounds a little risky to me, having an authority other than me. And so I really like it when George says that once we've chosen the authority and we begin to act upon the recommendations or advice of that authority, that we be scientists, that we take it to the marketplace and we pay extremely close attention to see if our life improves. And if it doesn't seem to improve, then we ask ourselves why and try to go underneath what is happening from the perspective of that authority or authorities and, and figure out what's going on. So I keep asking myself, why would someone as wise as a Jesus or a Lao Tzu give such apparently reckless advice? Why would someone like George Falcon, with all his intelligence, his education, and life experience, repeat this same insight over and over again? Can it really be as foolish as it appears? Or is it maybe that we're just not understanding it correctly? So let's just say that we listen to the wisdom from a Jesus, for example, and, and decide that we're going to give no thought for tomorrow. In other words, we're going to stop doing. How exactly does one do nothing? How do we give no thought for tomorrow? How do we be still? To me, that looks like my body isn't moving. But I think that that is the wrong interpretation. And there's a, there's a great quote, actually, from another one of the human race's great products, if he was a real person or not, uh, I don't know, but, but certainly uh, the wisdom was captured by someone. And that someone um, is represented as Krishna, the Bhagavad Gita. And he sa- he's quoted as saying, quote, Among humans, the person who sees non-action in action and action in non-action has insight or wisdom. And it goes on later to say, When one has let go of clinging to the fruits of action, always content and independent, even when turning towards action, that one does nothing at all. Now, that quote is a little confusing, but it's really important. So I went and found another translation of the last part, which I think is one of the most important. And if I could paraphrase, it's saying something like, even when one is turning towards action, in other words, when one is actually doing something, that person is doing nothing. And so when I hear the words being still or doing nothing, I, I think I was misunderstanding them. And that, that, that was the source of, of my reaction. Those phrases don't actually mean that the body is not moving or that the, the self, the, you know, the, the, the body brain is not actually doing anything itself, though much of the time it might actually end up being still. In fact, I think that our body 
will be doing or turning towards action in Krishna's words. It just isn't us that is doing the doing. So this is why the podcast is called Wu Wu Wei rather than just Wu Wei. It isn't just about not doing, which is the translation of Wu Wei. It is neither doing nor not doing. Let me let me try to unpack that even more. So to have the best life that these ancient masters discovered was available to each of us, we have to think different. And this requires a change in the way the mind itself thinks rather than simply having different thoughts. So let's make a list of the things that everyone could agree would constitute the features of the best life. Let's say we have in this life things like love, joy, peace, protection, comfort, safety, health, abundance. And we have all those things as much as we want or need them. Now, if we want a life that sounds like that, we can't just stop doing. We also can't expect a life like that if we keep doing. So the answer is that we neither do that nor do we not do that. We think different and allow the source of all power to do through us. So what does that mean? For someone who has attained mastery, I think what these guys are all saying is that the motivation for action is not coming from our emotions or our thoughts or ideas or motivated by our memories. In other words, it's not coming from our bodies or brains. Rather, it's going to be stimulated and directed by our higher self, our wise self. And that's why I think George keeps using words like intuition and inspiration to describe the way that a master moves through life. So then really, if we choose to accept this advice, the challenge then becomes to figure out how we listen to our wise self or our intuitive self. And I think that comes back to George's three recommendations that the listeners of this podcast will have heard on more than one occasion. What are those three uh, recommendations? Well, number one, being still. Number two, letting go. And number three, breaking habits. And as best I can figure, the way to do those things is through meditation, contemplation, qigong, yoga, and the training the mind exercises that he used to teach. And I've posted some of those on this podcast, the guided training meditations. So you can try them for yourself. So if I step back and I think about doing nothing and what the great masters meant and what George meant, that's really what I, I boil it down to. Thinking different is one way to put it in a, in a different understanding than perhaps most of us are used to thinking about it. All right, that's enough from your fellow student. I'll hand you over to a real master now. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you, and some of you are new, so welcome. Uh, so as I always start, uh, it's either the beginning or the end, right? Which is right now, right here, you're free. And so when I say you're going to be detectives, you're going to be scientists, you got to figure out why it isn't apparent. Why is it not apparent? I mean, since it'll be the final realization you'll ever make that from the beginning you were free, you've been free, and you will always be free. So there must be something you're doing that clouds your awareness to it. So it reminds me of a film called The Jewel of the Nile. And uh, these two characters are looking for a valuable stone. 
right? Because they're looking for the jewel of the Nile. And that, the jewel of the Nile, was actually a title bestowed upon a person. So obviously they were never going to find the stone since that wasn't the reference. Well, if you're free and you're looking for the jewel, you may find a jewel, but it isn't going to be what we're after. All right, so when I say you're going to be detectives, you're going to pay attention. Right? You're going to do experiments and you're going to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I'm always trying to emphasize that it's really very practical and very simple. It's the intellect that makes it seem complicated and mysterious. It's really very simple and it's really very applicable to everyday life. In other words, understanding, then moving to realization, then to grokking the principles, should lead to a different style of existence. A style that might be described as simple, easy, effective, spontaneous, and creative. And when I say to people, if that's not how you want to describe your life experience, you don't need the lessons. It's not necessary. We can just bang our heads against the wall and, you know, we'll survive, right? And when our time comes, we just check out and that's the end of that, okay? All right, so the first thing is you're going to have to learn to think in a different way. That's the thing. You've got to learn to think in a different way. Because if you don't, you will never reach the conclusion that thinking is one of your major problems. See, that's it. You have to get to the point that the realization occurs to you. Oh my goodness. No wonder I have never woken up to my true essence, my true identity. Now, when I say we must be doing something that clouds our awareness, that doesn't let us recognize the truth about you, what I call you. And obviously when I say you, I do not mean the self, I do not mean the body, but that which transcends the body and the self. Now, one of the things you have to be very aware of is that no amount of doing or any type of doing will never, will never let you transcend doing. As long as you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is you're doing. Meditating, chanting, whatever it is you're doing, yoga, whatever it is you're doing, is going to keep you locked into that particular dimension, will not let you experience pure being. If you do not experience pure being, you will never experience the essence of being, which is you. So, doing is part of what we're going to cease doing. We do to get something. We do to avoid something. So we get wrapped up in wanting, lacking, and having. See, I mean, it's like we've got this trap. We've built this compound within which we've contained ourselves. Because we're always doing to get something. We want to have. Or we're doing to avoid, to resist something. But what we don't understand is that that very activity keeps you in activity, therefore does not allow you to experience pure being. If you don't do that, 
you'll never get in touch with your true essence. So changing the way we think. I try to give you clues, right? Because again, if you're going to be detectives, if you're going to be scientists, you, you have to know what you're looking for, okay? And like I said, if you're looking for the jewel, whatever you find isn't what you're after. So, that which is looking is what is being looked for. And that which is looking, should it find anything, would not be what is looking. And whatever it finds, it's not what is looking. And that which is looking, when it tries to see itself, finds nothing. And therefore reaches the wrong conclusion. There is the problem central in looking that you must discover to be the issue. And as long as you're looking, since it's a doing, you're going to be trapped and never experience remembering your true essence, which, though you are going to have to let go of all models, all ideas, eventually you have to let go of all ideas, all models, we always start out with very simple models, very simple concepts, because it's, you're going to have to let go of them. You know, it's easier to let go of something that's simple, as long as whatever we're saying points in the right direction. That's all a model can do for you, point in the right direction. And mostly by telling you what not to look for. Don't look for a stone, okay? Don't look for an object. Don't look for anything that could be labeled, categorized, defined, titled. Because you could find those, but unless you are awake enough, you will not recognize that they are a product of your machinations. So the problem is not what it is you're going to find. The problem is that whatever it is you're find, you may reach the wrong conclusion. So when I say to you, we always start at the end, right now, right here, you are free. And then what do I say to you? We're only one agreement away. You realize that? We're only one agreement away. I say you're free and you say you're not. So if we could just agree, it would be all over. So you have to ask yourself, why is it I don't agree? Could I be looking for a stone? See, could I be looking for a stone and therefore I may find stones, but that's not the one that's looking. The one that's looking can never find itself. Whatever it finds, it's not what is looking. So in one sense, it really is, or it begins, with trust. Because I'm either telling you the truth, that you're free, or I'm lying to you. There really isn't too many options. I'm either telling you the truth, or I'm lying to you. And wouldn't it be fun for you to discover which one it is? I think it'd be fun, right? You say, wow, hey, he's lying to us, okay? But it's entertaining. 
We spend a nice Sunday afternoon. <laughs> or I'm telling you the truth and watch what happens to all your experiences. So since we're talking about doing, we're always looking for experiences, okay? And experiences have a huge range from the mundane to the sublime, to the celestial, to the mysterious. Glorious colors, sounds, forms are there to be experienced. But it has nothing to do with you. They're just manifestations of your own process of creating. Do you have to stop creating? No. Just be very conscious of what it is you're doing. And that's why I say you're going to be a detective. You're going to look at situations in a different way. And periodically, you know, I mention detectives, right? And I try to tell you about a case and that's real, right? And how did it get solved? Not because the detective had more information. The information was already there. They just looked at it in a different way. See, they just looked at it in a different way and said, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Let, let me review that again. And in looking at it at a, in a different way, they discover the truth. Usually the guilty party, right? But the truth. Well, you're going to be a detective. You're going to say, okay, if I'm free, would it be advisable for me to start delineating that which is not free? Would that be an advantage? I mean, if I start delineating that which is not free and come to the conclusion that if it's not free, it's not me, wow, I wonder how many options I got rid of. See, I wonder how many options I got rid of. Now, is your body free? No. Isn't it dependent on a myriad number of things? So it's not free. Is the self free? No, it's not free. So if you just start out by saying, okay, then obviously I cannot be the body. Does it mean you annihilated the body? No. I cannot be the self. Does it mean there is no self? No. It's just not you. Now, when I say you must reach the conclusion of the problem with doing, particularly thinking, because if you don't, again, you will never move to the next level of awareness. Now, I say to you, we do to get something, we do to try to avoid something, resist something, but it's still doing. And so we have to reach a certain point. Now, here's a problem, okay? For centuries, people have tried to figure out different things to do to stop doing. Okay? Never recognizing that whatever it is they're doing is actually keeping them in the same dimension. So we have thousands of people meditating busily doing, getting wonderful results, wonderful results, great problem-solving process. 
but it doesn't lead to pure being. Therefore, it doesn't lead to remembering your original state. It doesn't lead to the aha of what is your essence. And without remembering that, and thereby remembering how you got yourself distracted. See, because you're the one that got distracted. You began to identify with that which you are not. See, you began to identify with that which you are not. So I always try to help you pay attention. Now we meet at this time, right? So that means a bulk of the day has gone by, right? So the bulk of the day has gone by. So we, if we're going to be honest and not cheat, and since we're not going to do it out loud, you, you know, you don't have to try to save face. Review today. Review today and see how many times you were actually in pure being and how many times, percentage-wise, were you doing? Okay? And when you were doing, to compound the problem, were you doing without, sometimes not even stating it, were you doing it under the premise that you were a self? That you were a unit, an entity, with a particular name associated with particular talents and attributes and characteristics. Look at the day. And to the degree that you can look at the day and say, my goodness, I never got out of doing. Well, then you have to start to say, I must reach the conclusion of the problem with doing. Now, why would you ever want to experience pure being? Because you will discover that you are essentially self-existing, self-sustaining, self-sufficient, and self-maintaining. If that were so, what do you need? Nothing. Now again, look at the day. Look at how many times you were in wanting. And look at how many times as a result of wanting, you started a behavior to satisfy the wanting or to numb the wanting. We're good at that one. <laughs> numb the wanting. <laughs> or we try to satisfy it. Well, what does that behavior, what should it indicate to you? Oh my goodness, I do not realize, I have forgotten that beingness is self-existing, self-sustaining, self-maintaining, self-sufficient. I have a theory that's incorrect about who, what I am. And my experience correlates with my theory, even though it's not true. So, again, when I say, look at the day, because if I say to you, 
you might do a trick on yourself. If I say, who do you think you are? Uh, some of you are pretty well read, you know, you've, you've been around metaphysical circles enough time to give me the answer you've read. But it's by observing your behavior, by, by observing your relations. Did you behave as if you were a unit? How would you know if you behaved as if you were a unit? You were trying to make contact? You felt separated? You felt you weren't in touch? You felt something was missing? If that's your experience, then you were functioning as if you thought you were a self. And if you did that and were unconscious, at least if you were conscious and you were saying, you know what, I am very conscious that I'm a self, and I'm very conscious that Andrew is a self, and I'm very conscious of what I want Andrew to do for me. I've got a fighting chance, right? Because if I know that I'm doing that, I can always stop. But if I'm doing it unconsciously, it's going to be pretty difficult to stop. So whatever it is you're doing, you want to move it at least to consciousness. So you can evaluate it and say, yeah, is this working? And if it's not working, do I want to continue doing it? It's always going to be your choice. It's always going to be your choice. And so when I'm talking to you as a group, you know, when I ask you, for some of the new ones won't know the answer, right, that I'm expecting, but for some of you that we've talked before, what do I want to hear when I ask you, can you? Yes, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. I can, for I am one with all power. Then why do I pretend I'm powerless? Isn't that interesting? You are one with power, behaving like a victim, behaving like less than. Because you've forgotten. You've identified with that, which has limited power. But if you were to remember the truth, you would behave in a total different way. So when I say, can you, I expect you to say yes. And after you say yes, I'm going to ask you another question. Would you use your power? Because you don't have to use your power. And if you say, yes, I will use my power, guess what the next question is? When? When will you use your power? See, it's very empirical. But if you don't understand that you have the power, then you will not understand that you have actually created your life experiences. That which you are experiencing is your creation due to your use of your power in a particular way. Your experiences are your report cards of your beliefs, your attitudes, and how you're using your power. So if you don't like the experience, wouldn't it be advisable to change your belief? to move to a different power? 
and execute a change, or to move to a consciousness in which that which you are dealing with does not exist. All wants, problems, belong to a specific dimension, frequency, which correlates with the self. So the fastest solution is move to a dimension where they don't exist. Then you don't have to solve them. Is that denial? No, that comes from recognition of how consciousness works and the different levels. Denial is when you're not paying attention to the issue problem that's in front of you, batting you around, and you're pretending it's not there. That's denial. But what I'm suggesting is you're going to start out by saying, wow, you know, there appears to be this, there appears to be this lack or this problem. Why don't I move to where it doesn't exist? By the way, it's not magical. You know why it works? Because when you move to a higher consciousness, you've taken your energy out of the problem. Got it? You took your energy out of the problem, and if you're the one that created the problem, as, as soon as you take your investment out of it, it starts to dissolve. It starts to dissolve. Without you, there is no problem, there is no issue, there is no lack. Without the self, there are no problems. They all exist at a particular dimension. So when I've said to you before, as long as you're in self-consciousness, and again, how would you know? Remember, it all starts by paying attention, being a detective. Do you function as if you were a unit? And how will you know that you're functioning as if you were a unit? You will experience vacillation from positive or negative. You will experience lack. You will experience the need to make contact. And you will experience the need to know. That's how you will know whether you're still in self-consciousness. When you move to a higher consciousness, you will be totally unconscious of being a self because you're now conscious of being something else. Always, as I keep saying to you, we're not talking about annihilation. We're not destroying anything. You're just seeing things in a different way. And because you're seeing them in a different way, you can deal with them in a different way. You have the ability to deal with them in a different way. Now, again, when I say, well, you're going to pay attention. You cannot change something that you're not aware exists. You first have to be aware of what is there. Okay? So when I say, study your self. Yourself is like your pet. Okay. You know, I've talked before about the dog whisperer, right? Now, how did he get good? He studied dogs, right? And he studied them, and he studied them, and he said, you know, this is the way 
dogs function? Well, you're going to deal with yourself as if it, as if it were your pet. Okay? Now, watch. Fernanda, can I borrow you for a moment? Now, see how smart I am? This is myself. Did I choose well? Right? This, this is myself. <laughs> now, notice that myself is not me. Okay? By the way, I'm not pointing to George, right? Because we got the same problem, right? This is myself. Now, myself is mutable. I can change myself. I can improve myself. Can I do that to me? No. I'm not mutable. Otherwise, I couldn't be the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. But I can change myself. And we get wrapped up in changing the self and thinking we're making progress over here. And there are two different things. Now, is there an advantage of changing myself? Well, if myself has a pattern that we recognize as dysfunctional, right? Which simply stated, dysfunctional means what? Doesn't work. Whatever it is I'm trying to achieve, I'm not succeeding. So it would be an advantage to change myself. So I'm going to teach myself to think in a different way. And what must I teach myself to stop doing? Thinking like this. He, she, it did it to me. I've got to stop myself thinking like that. What do I want to teach myself to start thinking like? I wonder what I'm contributing to that which I am experiencing. That's what I want to teach myself or how I want myself to think. And all the while I'm saying to myself, be still. It's okay. I'll take care of you. Be still. And myself says, oh, no, no. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And I say, no, be still. I can be your power. I can be your life. I can be your wisdom. Trust me. Turn your issues over to me. Well, that's, geez, you know, if I do that, I mean, it's, what's the fun in that? There's no drama in my life. Everything's going to go well. There's no fun. What am I going to talk about with my friends? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, self. See, I mean, you've got to pay attention because you can't change something you're not paying attention to. How is it you think? And you've got to start by changing the way you think. Because, again, you must reach the conclusion. Thinking is a form of doing that keeps me trapped in doing. I will not move into pure being and therefore recognize that the essence of being is pure, clear, transcendental. And if I don't do that, I will not become fully awakened to my original state. 
because I got so involved in being, I got so involved in doing, and not only that, but in identifying with that, that I'm no longer cognizant of my original state. So what are you going to do? Then you're going to be able to, as it were, deal with whatever's going on in a state of loving, peaceful bliss. You're still going to have to deal with dysfunctional people <laughs> and dysfunctional situations. Because the race is really far behind. Okay? It's very low in consciousness. So just because you wake up to your true nature doesn't mean the race automatically catch up, catches up to you. But at least in dealing with dysfunctional people and situations, you will not say, he, she, it, did it to me. You will be honest about what it is you think you're lacking. See, you'll, you'll start by being honest. Because that's one of the biggest problems, okay? Particularly in relationships, okay? It's really one of the biggest problems, okay? See, I want the other one to guess what I need. And surely if they loved me, they would guess correctly. Surely they would give me what I want. Well, unless you're dealing with somebody who's psychic, it's not going to happen. Wouldn't it be faster and simpler if you just said to the other one, you know, I, I, I need a hug. I, I need some encouragement. But the machinations we go through to try to get the hug or the encouragement or whatever it is you're after is unbelievable. And then we get frustrated, right? Because we're not getting it. Because we're being dysfunctional. Remember I told you simply, dysfunctional means I don't get what I'm after. Okay? But what if I knew? Really, what if I knew? that everything is nothing more than light fashioned in particular forms. And that it is you who fashions the light. Would you need anybody else? So I use this little analogy, okay? Most of us go to a picnic with an empty basket or no basket at all, hoping somebody will give me something. Okay? And even if they give me something, it's probably not even the thing I wanted anyway. Wouldn't it be better to show up to the picnic with a full basket of all the things you like and enough to share? Well, I want you to show up in life with all the love, joy, peace, wisdom, abundance, security, comfort, protection you could ever use. That's what I want you to put into your basket and show up to life with that. And therefore, you don't have to beg you don't have to trade, you don't have to buy.
because you've got all that you would ever want. So aside from the things I've mentioned, so I may have said them too fast, so I'll slow them down. Love, joy, peace, health, wisdom, abundance, protection, comfort. What else could we need? I think that pretty much exhausts all that we might need. And if we had it, wow, what a wonderful state we would be in. Because you're not going to show up to the picnic hungry and empty-handed. And that's how we start a relationship. Hungry and empty-handed. Instead of saying, oh, I'm self-sufficient, self-sustaining, self-maintaining, and therefore I've come to share. Not beg, barter, trade, sell. Ah, it's a very different way of dealing with life's circumstances. So again then, usually I say to you, okay, well, you know, I, I want you to pay attention, right? So uh, next week, I want you to study yourself, right? You're, you're going to be a, a self-whisperer, right? And since you've already got a self with you, wouldn't it be easier to start studying the self you have, right? Uh, instead of starting to try to get other selves to study. I mean, so you're just going to study yourself and you're going to say, okay, how do I think? How does myself think? You're going to have to be honest. God bless does myself think it has little or no power. That it's dependent on others, circumstances, situations, conditions to receive any of the things I've mentioned. And if it's not a person, we want a job to do that. We want a thing to do that, whether it be a house or a car or whatever it is, a, clothing, whatever it is. We want something to be the source. And here's the trick you pull on yourself. Remember, you're, you're the only one pulling these tricks on yourself, okay? There's no trickster outside of you, okay? There's no one pulling a trick outside of you. Because you will not acknowledge you are the source. This is a pretend game you play. I will be happy when I get X. Then you do whatever you think is necessary to get X, and then you get X, and you know what you do without paying attention? You give yourself permission, God bless, to be in joy. And then you compound the problem by saying what? Oh, that condition, person or thing, made me happy. See, you weren't even paying attention enough to say, you know what? I need an excuse for feeling happy. And the form of the excuse I need looks like this. This particular job, this particular thing, this particular condition. And when that happens, I will give myself permission to feel good. By the way, could you feel good and still fulfill the condition? Yeah, because they're two different things, right? You can still feel good while you're manifesting the thing you think would be of value to you. 
But again, you have to start out by being conscious, by being honest. Because if you're not paying attention, again, you can't change things. So when we talk about different levels of consciousness, we could talk about them as different levels of alertness. Okay. And as you become more alert, you get to see more. So, for instance, for the average person, see, I'm always trying to give you some clue, something that you could look and say, whoa, yeah, that, that's the way I see things, and then say, well, okay, then I understand why I'm looking at it that way. Because it's, again, a, a valuable model. I use the chakras as levels of consciousness, just because all of you have them, right? So you have a, a handy model with you. If your consciousness is not beyond the third chakra, things will seem real, solid, and immutable. If things look real, solid, and immutable, then one of the first three chakras, consciousness, is dominant. You only get to see the M of Einstein's equation, E is equal to M. Things look real. So illness looks real. Lack looks real. The problem looks real. What happens if you move your awareness beyond the third chakra? You start to notice the E. Oh my goodness. M's are patterned energy. Therefore, things are no longer solid, real, and immutable. They are what? Illusory, impermanent, being the result of conceptualization. Or the Buddha liked the term, they have no self-nature. That was his way of saying it. See, if you don't move beyond the third chakra, you will not see things as illusory, impermanent, mutable, the result of your machinations. And if you understand that, then it gives you a huge advantage. You can just allow whatever it is that's in your awareness to change. You could do that. It's going to change anyway, right? It's impermanent. Or you could give it a gentle push, right? Speed it on its way. <laughs> but the thing is, do you have to suffer it? No. It isn't real. The last headache you had was real, wasn't it? Did you deal with it as if it were real? Or did you say, wow, I am aware of a lie in the form of a headache. If I just raise my consciousness, if I channel energy into the lie, guess what will happen? It will change forms. Okay. 
That's why when I say, can you, I want to hear you say, yes. Because I want you to start to have the mindset. <coughs> You're not powerless. You may be unaware of certain processes, but that's fine. I mean, that's just a matter of being exposed to them and then starting to practice, right, and starting to master them. But at least you've started to become aware that, yes, you are one with power. And you just have to execute it, use it, by understanding I must have power because I have created that which I am experiencing right now. Now, let's look at a form of help psychology. Isn't that one of the best ways to practice blaming? It's actually one of the best ways to practice blaming. Because what therapeutic modality starts out by saying, okay, John, what did you do to cause the problem? So what's John going to say? Oh, it's Marilyn's problem. It's Marilyn's fault. If she hadn't said, if she hadn't done, I wouldn't be upset. Really, really, I wouldn't be upset. And as soon as she stops doing that, or starts doing that, I'll be happy. So, you're going to study yourself. Is yourself in the habit of blaming, criticizing, judging, creating stories? Boy, you're great storytellers, okay? You really are. I mean, geez, I, I always marvel at people's creativity. They really do. I say, Nikki, why do you think Andrew did? And she says, ah, oh, you know what? You know, when he was a little boy in Utah, and, and the, you know, and his father told him, and now we go to Andrew and say, Andrew, is it true? He says, no, I wasn't born in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it? We're great at creating stories. We create these stories about why we think things are happening and we're not aware enough to understand that we're creating the story and why do we create stories because the intellect hates to admit it doesn't know so if I say Nikki why did Andrew do that what would be the wisest thing for Nikki to say I don't know <laughs> go ask him and maybe he knows, right? Maybe he knows why he did it. There is the possibility that Andrew doesn't know why he did it, right? Because I mean, <laughs> he wasn't paying attention, right? So he might say, I don't know why he did it. I always do it. <laughs> Got it? There is that possibility. You create stories because the intellect hates to say, I don't know. So it creates causes. Because it would rather find out that it created the wrong explanation. Because then it gets to try again to create another explanation. 
instead of just saying, I don't know, maybe I can get in touch with a higher consciousness and it will be revealed to me why it happened. Why it happened. Okay? So, pay attention to yourself. See how it thinks. What does it believe? How do these beliefs and patterns of thinking lead to certain choices? What would happen if you trained your pet to think in a different way? That would be becoming a scientist, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd start to say, okay, well, let, let me try this for a month, okay? I'm going to think like this. And then let's see what kind of results I get. Because if I keep thinking the way I have been thinking, I can almost predict the results. Right? I mean, the results are going to be the same as they were yesterday and the day before because I'm using the same pattern. So if I really want things to change, okay, then I'm going to change the way I think. Now, aside from the ego, the self, not wanting to admit it doesn't know. It does not want to admit it's not a doer. Okay? It does not want to admit it's not the doer. And yet, things are happening but your pet isn't the doer. Just that realization makes a huge difference in what is experienced. Because things are happening, but yourself is not the doer. And as long as you have the premise, the assumption that you're the doer, you will never look for the cause. And some of you are pretty proactive. You're going to try harder and try a different thing. And guess what? You're still going to get the same results, right? Because you weren't the doer. And yet, remember I told you, you're going to be alert. You're going to pay attention. There was this detected that solved the case because a person should have known something about this key. And he didn't seem to know this particular thing about this key. And that's how he solved the problem. Because he should have known. If he doesn't know, then he's not who he says he is. So he must be the one that we need to arrest. Okay? You're going to be detectives. You're going to pay attention. Again, without that, you can't change things. So if you don't give up the idea that you're the doer, you won't, you won't start looking for the cause. See? You won't start looking for the cause. 
Therefore, you will not give the cause the credit it deserves. Because you think the self is the doer. Now, an interesting thing sometimes happens. It's as if the cause is creating a particular manifestation. I think that's what I want to happen. So guess what? I take credit for it happening. It was just coincidental. But I wasn't paying attention that I'm dealing with coincidence rather than cause and effect relationships. And that's why when I say to you, with every movement in consciousness, you become more aware of what's going on. And so you start to see things in a different way. Okay? So you have to move up in consciousness so you can start to see what yourself is actually doing. And then you get a chance to say, okay, I'm going to let it continue to do that or I'm going to move it in a different direction. See, I'm going to move it in a different direction. I'm going to help it think another way. I'm going to help it think, encourage it to think differently. And in thinking differently, I will see different results. Okay? So, again, hopefully during the week you're going to pay attention to how many times you behave as if you actually think yourself is the doer. And if yourself just did something differently, you'd get different results. If it just tried harder, it might get different results. But it isn't true. It's not the doer. You see, one of the greatest fallacies you're going to discover is the myth of free will. It's a myth. It's a lie. But you need that myth. Why do you need that myth? Because you need to keep the premise that you're a doer. A correlate of that myth is that you have a life, that you're living. Never recognizing that you're being lived because we're not paying attention. See? Our premise is we have a life. Therefore, we can do whatever we want with our life. And how successful have we been? See? I mean, is it at a chance level 50 50 or are we really very successful? Until you figure out, wow, life is being lived in and through the self. And then you get to choose which life is going to express itself, manifest itself, demonstrate itself through yourself. Bio, psyche, pneuma, zoe. Which life will express itself through the self, 
But if you don't know which one is dominant at the moment, how do you make a choice? How do you make a change? So, we're at the end of tonight. And guess what? You're still free. And I hope now you agree with me. Right now, right here, you are free. And hopefully I've begun to give you some ideas why it isn't apparent. And as you investigate for yourself, hopefully you will discover, oh, I get it. I was looking for a stone, never recognizing that that which is looking is what is being looked for. And that which is looking were to find something would not be that which is looking. And that which is looking, should it attempt to see itself, would see nothing and draw the wrong conclusion. Okay. So, again, I invite you to be detectives, scientists, try different things and see what happens. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're not maximizing the probability of waking up to your true state, nature, which was there at the beginning, is there now, and will be there. Okay? All right. Any questions? Wonderful. Oh, yes, dear. or if I'm, um, or if maybe I'm, um, I'm just, um, well actually I'm just letting go pretty much, but what if I'm letting go of serious issues and I don't know the difference, if I should address that issue or just keep letting it go, because when I do notice I let go of things, I am in a better mood and I do feel better and everything around me feels like it's working together the way it should, but how do I know that I'm, I guess, not addressing issues that should be addressed? Okay. Well, first of all, without embarrassing Marilyn, because we're friends, so, you know, <laughs> we're okay. I hope we're okay. Uh, did you catch two big problems in what she said? The opening phrase should have given it away. When I'm analyzing so first of all, we have what? Someone pretending to be a doer, analyzing. Somebody pretending to be a doer, letting go. And someone pretending to be worrying about what are real issues and what are not real issues. But she made total sense if we stay in self-consciousness. We could even give her some good advice. We could. Okay. But what would be the best thing to do? Move to a consciousness where those things I thought were an issue, a problem, 
do not exist. Remember I said to you, if the dominant consciousness is the third and below, things will seem real. So the issues seem real, don't they? They do seem real, guys. I mean, you know, use your own experience. Issues seem real. They do not seem illusory. Dreamed. Fabricated. They don't seem like that. So sometimes we say, okay, until you get to that point, let's start out with the assumption they're real. Let's see what we can do. We just start out with a premise that you're comfortable with, but it would really be much faster to again move to our awareness, a consciousness, where they're not real. So ask yourself another question. Why do I want things to change? Why, what do I think I'll get out of it if it changes? What do I think is missing and will continue to be missing, missing if the status quo continues? Those are more important questions. So, what have you said? That which I am aware of is the result of being in self-consciousness, and I'm going to move to a consciousness in which the dominant sensibility is love. What would be your experience? That would be your experience. So, how do you know where the majority of the race is? You know what the highest, the most selling pharmaceutical drug is for? Depression. That's the first chakra. That is a terrible indictment of where the race is. What's the next one? Anxiety. Second chakra. Boy, if that doesn't frighten you, I don't know what's going to frighten you. I mean, it would think, I would think you would say, whoa, at least let me not contribute to the racial ignorance. Let me pull my energy out of the racial beliefs and put it into something else. Okay, now, hopefully, what will happen when you accept the intellect saying, I don't know? You stop thinking about it. But more important, more important, the question we want to ask is, is there a consciousness that knows? Good. So what are you going to do? Thank you. See how empirical it is? If this consciousness doesn't know, and there is a consciousness that does know, what should you do? Move to the consciousness that knows. It's called a priori knowledge. 
It knows before you experience not knowing. Okay? So that's what happens. But you see, if we just say, I don't know, I may feel defeated. I may think I have to accept what's going on. So I didn't move out of the frequency, right? I mean, if that frequency generated the feeling of not knowing, but I stay in the frequency, I'm still not going to know. Okay? So the empirical thing to do is move to the frequency that knows. And then you will know. Okay? By the way, usually we call it things like intuition and inspiration. But that's how we say it. Okay? No, it's just that consciousness has the information. You tap into it and there's the information. Okay? I keep saying to you, it's very empirical, it's very practical. You just have to master the techniques. And I say to you all the time, you can't try to master the techniques when you need them. Okay? Hopefully you've mastered them before you need them. Then you just slip into them and say, oh, okay, this is what I need to do. Okay? Did I answer your question? Yes. Good. But I want to make sure that you do it empirically. I don't know means you're generating beta waves. I know means I'm generating theta waves. Do you know how to produce theta waves? No, I don't. Of course. Yes, but... But I know how to let it go. Good. Okay? See how simple it is? How practical it is? All right. Anything else? Have a great evening, week, and please pay attention to your pet and maybe start to teach it new tricks. So have a great evening and week, okay? If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would like to invite you to tell your friends about it, share it on social media or by email. If you could leave a review on it on iTunes or wherever you downloaded it from, that would help others find it. And finally, for any feedback or if you'd like to find out more information on Wu Wei or Falcon Teachings, you can go to the website, www.falconteachings.com or follow at Falcon Teachings on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and so on. Well, thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.